You are listening to the Iron Bean Coffee Company podcast. I made a post today. If you're armed and at the Glenmont Metro, please shoot me. Make it a headshot. Shoot me in the temple. Aim slightly downwards. I need a bullet to travel the shortest possible distance through my brain before it hits my hippocampus. If I'm lucky, the sensation of the gunshot ripping through my skull should only last a few decades. As awful as this sounds, you'd be doing me an enormous favor. Death by headshot as soon as possible is vastly better than the alternative. Here's what happened. My ordeal started about 10,000 years ago at 10.15 this morning. You see, I, I earn extra money by participating in drug trials. I'm what they call a uh, healthy subject. It takes experimental drugs to help assess the side effects. Once it was a kidney drug, a few times it's been something for blood pressure, pressure, blood pressure, or cholesterol. This morning they told me the drug I took was a psychoactive substance intended to accelerate my brain function. None of the drugs I tested so far had ever done anything for me. Not in the recreational sense. What I'm saying is none of the drugs I've tested ever gave me a killer buzz. They never mellowed me out. Nothing. Maybe I've always ended up in the placebo group. But nothing I tested had ever affected me at all. But today, it was different. This shit worked. They gave me a pill at 10.15. Told me to hang out in the waiting room until they called me back for some tests. Only about 30 minutes, they said. I flopped on the couch. I read a few articles from a copy of Psychology Today that was sitting on the coffee table. They hadn't called me back when I finished the uh, Psychology Today magazine, so I picked up U.S. News. Read that one cover to cover. Then I read an old Scientific American. The fuck is taking them so damn long? I sluggishly turned my head to look at the wall clock. It was like 10.23. I'd read all these three magazines in eight minutes. I remember thinking this is going to be a long day. Man, I was right. The waiting room had this little bookshelf with some used hardcovers on it. When I stood up to walk to the bookshelf, it felt like my legs barely worked. They, they weren't weak. They were just slow. It took me a few minutes to stand up from the couch, then like another minute or two to take the steps to the bookcase. It was only a few feet. I scanned the old books on the shelf. I picked out a copy of Moby Dick. My arms had the same problems as my legs. Just reaching one foot in front of me to grab the book seemed like it took a long time. I actually got bored waiting for my hand to reach the spine of the book. So I slogged back to the couch. I collapsed onto it in this slow motion fall that reminded me of like, um, like the low gravity hops of the astronauts on the moon, if they ever really were there. I opened Moby Dick slowly. I started to read. I started with uh, Call on Me Ishmael and got as far as Ahab throwing his pipe into the sea which is like chapter 30 before they called me back. How you feeling? The research assistant asked me. I feel slow, I said. So she says, uh, uh, what do you mean? I said, actually, it, it's the other way around. Everything seems slow because you're so fast. But my legs and my arms, they're like, they're moving in slow motion. 
So she says, your body seems like it's moving slowly because your brain is fast. Your brain's running like 10 or 20 times faster than normal. You're thinking and perceiving reality at an accelerated pace, but your body is still constrained by the laws of biomechanics. Frankly, you're moving much faster than a normal person. She kind of pantomimed a, a jogger. But your brain is running so much faster than your body's moving that even your fast walk seems really slow to you. I thought about my slow-moving flop onto the waiting room couch. Even if my muscles slowed down, my body should still react to gravity the same way. But in the waiting room, I even fell in slow motion. Slow muscles couldn't explain my gravity seemed weaker. My brain was going at like warp 10. That's how I imagined, that's how I managed and imagined <laughs> while I was reading three magazines and the first 30 chapters of Moby Dick in 15 minutes. So they bring me back, right? They ran a series of tests on me. Uh, the physical tests were fun. They made me juggle three balls, then four, then six. I had no problem keeping six balls in the air because they seemed to be moving so slow. It was boring, frankly, waiting for each ball to move through its arc so I could catch it with my slow motion hands, and then I'd toss it back in the air. They threw Cheerios in the air, and I caught them with chopsticks. They dropped a handful of coins, and I counted the total value before they hit the ground. The cognitive tests, they weren't that fun, but they were very illuminating. Uh, finish a 50-word word search took me three seconds. Solve an intricate maze drawn under like a poster-sized piece of paper. It took me two seconds in real life. View a slideshow projected at 10 images per second and then answer detailed questions about what I saw. I got 95% of the questions correct. They told me I measured over 250 on the NOP scale. Apparently, that's like deep into the superhuman range of thinking speeds. Then they sent me home. Wear off in a few hours, I said, which will seem like days to you. Try to use the residual effects to get some work done. I don't know. Catch up on emails while you're still in high speed mode. The ride home, fucking horrible. It was only three metro stops in real world time, like 35 minutes. But in my drug accelerated hyper time, it felt like fucking days, days. Just walking out of the medical research suite to the elevator, that felt like it took an hour. I sprinted out of the office, willing my legs to push me faster. But the laws of biomechanics held me prisoner. As accelerated as my brain was, I couldn't do anything to make my legs work faster. The huge disconnect between my body and mind made it extremely difficult to judge how and when to slow down, when to turn, or, or when to rotate. I had basically turned into a giant slow-motion spaz. I misjudged my speed, and I ran into the wall by the elevator button pretty fast. Even though I could see the wall coming at me, I couldn't make my finger, which was outstretched to hit the elevator button, move away fast enough, and I jammed into the wall hard. The pain fucking intense. If my brain had been running at regular speed, it probably would have hurt for, I don't know, half a minute. But in this accelerated state, the intense pain lasted for a half an hour, 45 minutes maybe. I managed to get into the elevator without breaking anything. But the ride, it was horrible. I felt like I spent four or five hours just descending seven floors. Nothing to look at but the interior of the elevator car. Like four or five hours. So I sprint to the metro station. I gotta admit, this part was almost fun. Even though my body moved at what seemed to me like super slow speed, I could still carefully choose how and where to place my feet. Swing my arms, turn my torso. 
It only took like a block or two to figure out how to get used to this thing. So I got a brain that runs two dozen times faster than my body. I got a body that seems like it's slow, but I'm starting to get it. I'm starting to get it. So I basically sprint dance the rest of the way, twisting and juking between people on the sidewalk, dodging cars with inches or minutes of clearance. I spent an hour in my time frame descending into the subway and running to the platform. Six minutes for the red train to arrive. Although there was more to look at on the metro platform than inside the elevator, this was still intensely boring. I should have stolen that copy of Moby Dick. The red line train roared into the station in like slow motion. The normally high-pitched squeal of the brakes was frequency shifted by my high-speed mind to this long, low tone, like a monotone tuba solo. It wasn't just the squealing subway train that was three octaves lower than normal. All sound was slowed to the point of near inaudibility. Voices were gone, shifted below the threshold of my hearing. I did manage to hear a screaming baby on the subway car, but her shrieks sound like whale songs. Sharp sounds like car horns and trucks bouncing over potholes. They were just low, muddied roar, like, like faraway thunder. Back at the research office, I could still hear and communicate with the staff. But now, verbal communication with anyone was impossible. So the effects of this drug were still intensifying. This stuff is just getting into my system. I spent what seemed like days on that fucking train. Days. Listening to the whale song of the screaming baby and the tuba solo of the brakes, where ordinary voices were frequency shifted out of my range. Smells didn't seem to be affected, though. I never became nose blind to body odor, the stench of the brakes, or the melange of farts and other smells that wafted through the metro cars. I finally get back to my apartment. I sprint through my open door and into the front hall at full speed, like a slow, relaxing drift down a lazy river. But I was, re I was relieved to be home. At least I had stuff I could do there. It was safe. I picked up this book I was reading, A Hundred Years of Solitude, and I finished it. Despite turning the pages so quickly that I tore many of them, it seemed like most of the time I spent on page turning and not actually reading. Three minutes had passed since I got home. I tried to surf the internet. What the fuck was I thinking? My god, it takes a long time for computers to boot these days, but this was frustratingly slow. Hours. Hours, it seemed like it loaded a new page and a fraction of a second to read it. A hundred articles in my news feed, and in just three minutes they're done. I dipped into my pile of yet-to-be-read books, and I finished two more. Four more minutes had passed. I decided to try to sleep off the remaining effects of the drug. Unfortunately, whatever part of my mind is responsible for perception, the part that's been accelerated to hyperspeeds by the drug, it isn't the same as the part that governs sleep. Despite being awake for what I perceived as days, my brain still thought it was like 1.30 in the afternoon, which it was, and it wasn't ready to go to sleep. Nevertheless, I tried. I walked to my bedroom, a slow 45-minute drift through my apartment, and I flung myself into bed, lazily falling like a feather onto the mattress. I closed my eyes and I lay there for hours, and hours, 10 minutes of real time, but it literally felt like three or four hours before I gave up. Sleep was just not coming. I was facing what was going to feel like days or maybe even weeks of being trapped in a slow motion prison. So I did what any sane person would do. I took an Ambien. I should have known better after uh, Roseanne Barr's fiasco. The sensation of the pill and the splash of water I used to swallow it 
It slid down my throat and it was sickening. This lump just blocked my breathing, moving like a slug down my esophagus. So I read another book. I got a lot of fucking books. 10 minutes had passed. I read another. 18 minutes since I took the Ambien. I threw the book across the room and disgusted my situation. The book slowly pirouetted and spun through the air like a leaf blowing in a breeze. It hit the wall with a long, faint rumble. The only sound I had heard for what seemed like hours. Then it drifted to the floor like a flip-flop uh, sinking in a swimming pool. The force of gravity hadn't changed since I took the pill. The laws of physics are the same. It was just my perception of time that had gone all fucking crazy. This meant I could use... I, this means... I can't even think my brain's going so fast. This meant I could use the speed things seemed to fall as a way of judging the effects of the drug. So based on how long it took the book to drift to the floor, I estimated that the effects of the drug were even still getting stronger. So I read a magazine. I turned on the television. I clearly saw each frame of the video like I was watching a slideshow. Frustrated, I turned the TV off. I read some more. The first two books of Churchill's A History of the English-Speaking Peoples. Not exactly a light read. Frankly, I hated it. But given the hours of nothing it would have taken to get another book off my shelf, just sitting on the couch and reading Churchill, that was better. Or at least less worse. It had been 35 minutes since I took the Ambien. I lay down on the couch and closed my eyes. Time passed. I inhaled. An hours-long process. More time passed. I exhaled. For more hours. Sleep just would not come. I needed a new plan. I decided to get back to the offices where they gave me the drug. Maybe they had something that could counteract those effects, or at least something to knock me out until I wore off. Here I thought I was going to be a superhero, but now I'm just dying of boredom. I exit my apartment as fast as possible, taking hours in my time frame to do so. I didn't even bother locking the door. It would have took too long. Down the stairs, it's faster than the elevator if you run, through the lobby, out the front door, onto the street. These few things felt like a day at the office forever. Sprinting down the street, dancing and weaving between the pedestrians, which must have looked to them like superhuman dexterity. Down the first flight of stairs at the metro, across the landing, another hour it took. Then onto the second flight of stairs. And that's when the ambient hit me. The Ambien didn't make me sleepy, not at all. Instead, it must have had a severe cross-reaction with the experimental drug I took this morning. I was bounding down the second flight of stairs, moving in slow motion, mind you, but still making some progress. Then, boom, everything fucking stopped. The dull roar of the street and metro, that noise ceased, it was replaced by the most perfect silence I've ever experienced. My downwards motion seemed to freeze. Before the ambient kicked in, my perception of time was maybe a few hundred times slower than real time. After the ambient took effect, time moved thousands of times slower. Every second seemed like days to me. Even just moving my eyes to focus on a new point was like an impossibly slow scroll across my visual field. Over the course of the afternoon, I learned how to walk, run, and jump when my mind ran hundreds of times faster than my body. But with another four or five orders of magnitude of slowdown caused by the ambient, 
Body control was impossible. I fell on the stairs, even though I was all but frozen in mid-step. Controlling my muscles was impossible. I commanded my foot forward for hours, then backwards for more hours. When it seemed like I would miss the next step, hours attempting to adjust the angle of my ankle and then readjusting it when it felt wrong. Despite all the efforts of trying to move my body over for what took hours to move just inches, I roll my ankle on the next step. The pain wasn't at all mitigated by the slowness. Hours of increasing strain on my bent ankle, the nerve signals that send pain into the brain must work differently than the nerves in my ear. Sonic energy was spread out over time, diluted until it was imperceptible. But pain, pain was flowing into my brain undiluted by the change in my perception of time. Hours and hours of increasing weight on my turned ankle was turning into hours of increasing pain upon more increasing pain. I pitched forward, my high-speed mind completely unable to control my low-speed body. I drifted downwards for days, managing to rotate my torso enough to keep my head from smashing into the ground first. I eventually landed on my shoulder. At first, the impact wasn't even noticeable, but then I felt a little pressure. As it came into contact with the ground, the pressure grew, bringing a little more pain for an hour upon hour. Then my shoulder finally gives out, popping out of its socket with an endless, sickening tug. I came to a stop what seemed like days later, crumpled onto the ground, staring at the ceiling, the pain in my shoulder still screaming with the intensity of a violent injury. I had plenty of time to think during that fall. Every second seemed like days to me. And that means each minute of real world time at this point was like 60 years. Even if the drug cleared out of my system in the next two or three hours, this nightmare was gonna last centuries. By the time I hit the ground, I had a plan. I would somehow get to the platform and throw myself in front of a train. I twisted onto my hands and knees, days of my dislocated shoulder crying for relief. I misjudge my rotation, I roll on my back, I try again. I collapse onto my face as I try to figure out how to control a body that moves slower than grass grows. Weeks of effort were finally rewarded with success. I stabilized on my hands and knees. If just getting on all fours was this difficult, I figured that walking or running was going to be completely out of the question, so I crawled. I crawled through the metro tunnel. The dumb looks on the faces in the crowd lingered on me for weeks. I crawled under the turnstile and onto the escalator. The escalator spilled the rush hour crowd onto the platform at the same speed a glacier spills ice into the sea. I look out over the crowded platform during my interminable downward ride. The train status sign said the next train wouldn't arrive for 20 minutes. 20 minutes was going to be like 20 years. I'd have to spend a year or 20 on the metro platform, waiting to die. I crawl off the escalator, enduring days of stupid expressions on the commuters' faces. I crawled a few feet to a concrete bench, and I curled up next to it, trying to find a position that would lessen the pain in my shoulder. Then my problem with time got worse, impossibly worse. The massive slowdown on the stairs, that was just the beginning of the interaction between this experimental drug and the Ambien. It fully hit me while I was curled up by the bench. I blinked. Years of darkness followed. Sound was just gone. And with my blink, sight was gone as well. All that existed was the pain from my fall. 
My hyper-accelerated mind wasted no time compensating for the lack of sensory input. Voices started to speak to me. They sung to me in languages that didn't even exist. Patterns and faces and colors, they come and went in my mind's eye. I recalled my entire life. I imagined living another. I forgot how to speak English. I settled into profound despair. I spoke to God. I thought I became God. I imagined a new universe and brought it to life with my thoughts. Then I did it all again and again. My eyes opened with geologic slowness, like the moving of the continents. At first it was a faint glow. That took weeks. A slit of light, even more weeks. A narrow view of the metro platform, ankles of the commuters near me, and an advertisement on the opposite wall. I pulled my phone from my pocket, a project that spanned decades. How can I even explain the boredom? The pain in my shoulder is nothing compared to the boredom. Every thought I can think, I have thought hundreds of times already. The view of the angles and the advertisements, it never changes, never. The boredom is so intense, it's tangible, like, uh, like a solid object of metal and stone just wedged into my skull. It was inescapable. But what are my options? If I crawl and fall onto the tracks without an oncoming train to crush me, I won't die. I'll experience even more pain from the forefoot fall, and I'll most likely be rescued by some do-gooder on the platform and unable to act when the train finally does arrive. My suffering in that scenario is going to be endless. So I wait for the train, so I can throw myself under it. When it finally hits me, I will experience the pain of being ripped to pieces for centuries until finally the light of life leaves my brain and my experience ends. I've lived hundreds of lifespans at the foot of this bench. I am far older in spirit than any human who's ever lived. Most of my life experience has been a snapshot of pain huddled on the floor of a subway platform with an unchanging view of ankles and advertisements. So this post is my plan B. It was my Hail Mary, my long shot. I've spent lifetimes typing and posting this message in the hope that someone will read it and become convinced that my suffering must end. Someone on this platform right now, someone who will find the man curled under the bench, the man who crawled down the escalator and kill him as swiftly as possible, hopefully a bullet to the temple. So, if you're armed and at the Glenmont Metro, please shoot me. Guys, girls, thanks for listening. That story was by uh, Peter David Frost. I found him on uh, online on Twitter, actually, a place I never go. And uh, I read the story and I thought it was really cool. It was half the superpowers I wanted when I was a kid. Uh, I wanted the fast body, though, too, so I could run like Barry Sanders and Bo Jackson. At least that's how I thought it worked. Anyway, I appreciate you listening and um, hang out for more. If you liked it, subscribe. If you didn't like it, subscribe anyway. Later, guys.